1: The 155th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. From the Basketball Podcast Network, this is the Four Corners Podcast.
0: We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left. Good! Fred Brown looking. No oh, way to win it! 35! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber towards Carolina with foul! he takes the timeout, they're out of timeout! Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout! And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebounded!
1: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here once again with you guys today. is have another interview for you guys to listen to. I brought this guy on last year, John Crispin from ESPN, a guy that I really love seeing him in studio. He also called a lot of games last year, primarily focusing on the Big Ten and uh, I reached back out to him and thought it'd be great to have him come on, help us, get us ready for the upcoming basketball season. What better guy to bring on to talk about what Pete Nance can do for this Carolina team as he saw him a lot up close and personal over the last four years covering the Big Ten at ESPN. And so um, and, and, and wanted to pick his thoughts and see what he thinks about this team coming off last year's magical run. And if he thinks, you heard Josh Graham say he has worries about this team being able to to get back to the Final Four and ultimately win the national championship. And so I, I wanted to ask him the same type of question. So without uh, further ado, here's my conversation with ESPN College Basketball Analyst, John Crispin. I am now joined by ESPN College Basketball Analyst, John Crispin. John, good morning, man. How you doing today?
0: I'm good. Look, I'm happy to have hoops back again. I feel like so much attention is given to football because football is that 12-month sport. And basketball fizzles out after the NCAA tournament. But I know, look, I'm talking to North Carolina fans right now. I know there are a lot of people out there that hope we can continue where we left off last year because I think we had some good things going.
1: Yeah, no, we we definitely did. What's funny is I went back and I looked at when I when I talked to you last year, and I talked to you on February tenth, yep. and and when I talked to you, you left me and you left me uh, feeling positive about Huber Davis and his first season. Five yep. days later, they would lose at home to Pittsburgh, uh, uh-huh. and at the time, we really thought the NCAA tournament was bleak. And then, as you mentioned, you know we know how it ended. They won the regular season finale at Duke and they were they came within a rebound away from winning the national championship. I've asked everybody this same question because uh, I've gotten a different answer and I, and I, and I'm interested to hear where you are on this. What did you learn about Hubert Davis last year during his first season as Carolina's head basketball coach?
0: Well, first and foremost, I think I learned that he that he really does have conviction. I think that's it's something that we don't talk enough about, right? A coach with conviction. The coach with conviction is usually the guy that's been there for a decade or two, right? He's got job security, so he's able to have conviction. Hubert Davis walked in in his first year. He was convicted in terms of what he wanted to do, how he wanted to play, how he wanted to utilize his guys, how he wanted to get up and down the floor, be fast, maybe take more risks, which I thought, you know, he didn't get enough credit for. That's the hardest thing to do is take risks when it comes to high-level major, you know, power five level college basketball, it's so hard to take risks. Well, he, he stuck with the risk of playing fast. He stuck with the risk of if we're not making shots, we're still going to continue to spread the floor and push the tempo. Like, I, I thought there were so many good things in that. I thought it, it communicated confidence to his team. And once they figured it out, once they figured out how to play together, which really came down to and I think I talked about this last year too, was Brady Mannix the key. It's not that he's the key as if he's your best player or your scorer. The position is the key when you want to play that way. You have to have a floor spacer. You have to have a floor man who can handle it, who can also shoot it. When you do, R.J. Davis, Caleb Love, they get to do what they want to do in space. So so you saw it come together at the right time. A, a lot of that because of the conviction of your head coach.
1: Yeah, no, I think you're definitely right. And it was something where, uh, you know, I, I'll be honest, I got kind of annoyed by the the constant positivity and the constant belief, because you know, I I had 18 years of Roy Williams, who was very, yes. very, you know, was very uh, seldom happy in the media, uh, but but we knew he was convicted and rightfully so. The uh, the biggest theme around this team this summer is the fact that the lack of depth really hindered them in the national title game. I, I think Kansas, yep. I, I thought Carolina matched up well with Kansas one through five, but Kansas was one through nine. And the Tar Heels were one through six, one through seven. So the theme was adding more depth. They add a transfer in Pete Nance, a guy you've covered uh, in in the Big Ten. And they brought in four freshmen in a a rather stellar recruiting class for Hubert Davis. Do you think Carolina's done enough to add the adequate depth you need to win a national championship?
0: Uh, Yes and no, right? I mean, the, the real answer is we don't know. Uh, because we haven't started the season yet and uh, we haven't made it to the NCAA tournament yet. But it's funny where you got to think about what kind of depth you're trying to add. Are are you trying to add depth in the form of bodies or are you trying to add depth in the form of pieces and personnel and, and dynamics, right? I think the depth part is important, particularly in practice, because it allows you to go against better talent. I think that's where carolina was really lacking last year they didn't have a chance to go up against somebody that could push them all year which means you're not able to develop into who you want to become if you're hubert davis which is going to be a different approach than, than it was under roy williams so i feel like the lack of depth hurt them probably more in practice than it actually did in the games you know when it comes to games in the NCAA tournament most teams play seven guys eight guys at best and then you hope you don't get in foul trouble and then it's just a scramble from there but I think it's a matter of having guys that can push one another. That's, that's what'll what'll help allow this team to actually reach their potential sooner than later. I think that's why it took so long last year. So I'm not worried about the depth for the same reasons that I think we, we would typically talk about depth, right? Just bodies, right? We can play eight, nine, ten guys. Well, reality is my, my top seven are better than your ten. Uh, so I think it's about finding the right guys, finding the right dynamics with depth, and having a, a group... In the practice that can really push that first group I think that's key
1: I want to focus on Pete Nance Because I've had people close to the program uh, Tell me that they think he's the best The, the best, most complete player that, that That's going to be on the Tar Heel team This year But he's he's transferring in Replacing a guy like Brady Manic Who you just said a, a yeah. moment ago Was really important to Carolina's Turnaround last year also he was our emotional leader a fan favorite those of us in Tar Heel Nation fell in love with him tell us about what you've seen from Pete Nance while he was at Northwestern and what our reasonable expectations should be for him this season.
0: Well, first and foremost, Pete Nance is kind of a one through five uh, in the sense that he can handle the basketball. He can elevate. He blocks shots. He can cover the post. He can cover the perimeter. Uh, He can shoot it from from outside. He can also face up with the back to the basket. There's a lot of good things that he can do, and you have to understand the system he came from ran a lot of NBA-level sets, and when I say NBA-level sets – It's more about certain action, right? We don't just down screen and screen the screener. There are certain NBA sets that have reads within those actions. And that's something that Pete Nance had to do a lot at Northwestern. Uh, And when you play read and react basketball, you're a better basketball player. So I, I think Pete Nance is a guy that it may not click right away. And I know he looked good in the scrimmage, but it may not click right away. But over time, you're going to see this guy really become more and more of an impact player. It was hard for him at Northwestern because so much was, was you know on him. He had to make a lot happen. Hard to do that from that 4-5 or five spot, uh, particularly in the Big Ten where you just have horses every, every night. You're, you're talking Zach Eady and Trevion Williams and Trace Jackson Davis. Pete Nance had his hands full. But at the four spot in Brady Mannix's role, I, I really think he's a great playmaker for this team, so long as he can keep his confidence up. Uh, he's a great kid i think fans will love him but but you got to stay high in terms of your confidence especially when you play in north carolina with the expectations of being a national championship
1: the good news is is that he doesn't have to do it all by himself because yeah. he's going to be paired in the front court with you know what I would consider the best big man in the country at at the worst he's the second or third best and and that's being Armando Baycott. I mean you know the stats. He tied the Division 1 record for most double-doubles in a single season. He became the first player to play in 6 NCAA tournament games and record a double-double in each yet oh, yeah. there there's still room for him to improve and, and become a better, more complete basketball player. When you look at Armando Baycott, what areas of his game can he take his game to an even higher level than what we saw last year?
0: Well, I think a lot of people, we get so superficial with this stuff, and we say, "Wow, well, he needs to be able to shoot it more. And it's like, that's so obvious, right? Uh, yeah, he needs to be able to shoot it more. That's great. So he can make a 15 to 18 footer. My point is a little different, and it's ultimately he needs to be able to play around the perimeter more. doesn't mean he has to shoot it, but he has to help space the floor. Like this is a team that when the floor was spaced last year and he was on the outside diving in, the game was uh, – Carolina was unstoppable. And, and that's something that I think if you watch enough tape, you see. all right, he's got to be able to play around the perimeter, which means he's got to make decisions from the perimeter in. He can't just go block to block. He can't go elbow to elbow and dive. He's really got to play more around the perimeter, get his defense lifted, and then make back cuts into to a post position or, or a seal at the front of the rim with the defender on his back. So I, I think there are areas like that where he can get better. I'm not worried about whether he can shoot or not. I, the only reason why you talk about that is, is, is it all comes down to draft stock, right? And in ESPN, we do this a lot where we put up a draft grade for a kid. And it drives me nuts, quite frankly, because I'm like, who cares? Like, Let me give, a, give you a grade for what this kid does for this team right now. And if Armando Baycott can just expand his game around the perimeter to make better decisions, to make reads, reacts, be a ball mover and passer and screener, if he can do that, he may not get an NBA draft grade of an A, but in college basketball, he's an A+++. plus plus plus. He just completely changed the game by making the court bigger for his teammates and, and quite frankly, making the game easier for himself. So I think it's just a general play from the perimeter in a little bit better, be more calculated, and, quite frankly, work a little less when it comes to post position.
1: We're talking with ESPN college basketball analyst John Crispin. John, not only do you cover college basketball, but you played college basketball at a high level. And, you know, Dean Smith always had this belief that you know a player – showed their most improvement from their freshman to their sophomore season. I think Caleb Love and then R.J. Davis are a great reflection of that belief. They became better players as sophomores. They're now back, arguably the best backcourt maybe in all of college basketball. But like Armando Baycott, there is still room for those guys to grow and improve their game. When you look at both guys individually and then collectively, where can they improve this upcoming season?
0: Well, so first I want to tackle that, you know, the biggest improvement is freshman and sophomore year. That is true most of the time. Mm-hmm. But what I would say you have to be concerned with, I, I shouldn't say concerned with, but just be, be cautious of. And it's something that I went through. I started and played every you know, started every game my freshman year at Penn State. And I, I averaged 10 points a game in Big Ten play, which was pretty darn good, right, for a freshman in Big Ten play. Well, the second year I was held accountable differently. I wasn't able to make the mistakes and play as free-flowing as I did my freshman year, and that hurt me because of the type of player that I was. My concern for Caleb Love and R.J. Davis is, are they going to try to control the game more than they did last year? They took over games, but they didn't control the game. And there's two two totally different things, right? They took over a game with their play on the floor, but they didn't over-control the game by slowing things down and, and trying to set plays and run certain action. They just got up and down and balled my biggest concern would be if there are times where they try to step things back and say let me make a play as opposed to just taking what came their way i think as freshmen we think less and we play more and then as sophomores we start to get a little more calculated and i'm not sure it's the best thing for us so i hope they're able to play free-flowing basketball i know that's the focus of hubert davis there's not much they need to improve upon outside of just continue to polish and refine your game be a better rebounder, be a better defender. I think those are areas where they can be better. But also, don't disengage when the other's going off. I think that's a tough thing. When when you have two guys that could go for 30 on any given night, if it's not your night, stay in there, right? doesn't mean that you kind of, like, just watch. You, you still have to be aggressive because the more aggressive you are, the easier it's going to be for your teammate. That's hot. So there's a lot of little things that you want to see growth, you know, in terms of growth from year to year. But there are things that give me concern, and the biggest is just that expectation and managing and living up to expectations. There's a different form of accountability when you become a sophomore, junior, senior.
1: One of the guys that I think gets forgotten about, not locally here, but maybe nationally, is is, is a guy like Leakey Black. He's back for his super senior season. Oh, you know, he's back with the core four to get back to the Final Four and and, and hopefully win the national championship. When you watch him defensively, what stands yeah. out to you? And do you think he is the best perimeter defender in college basketball?
0: Man, it's it's hard to argue. Um, and I'm sure throughout the season I'll say like five or six different guys are the best perimeter defender just because that's what we do in television. We, <laughs> we see so it's like the recency bias. We're like, oh, my God, best defender in the game. It's like, well, that's because I'm calling this game right now. But um, it's hard to argue with that. I think mainly because of his versatility, but also because of his, um, we, we kind of refer to it as IQ, but ultimately the defensive side of the ball its really more instinct. He just has an instinct for for angles, uh, for how to cover the ball. You know, He doesn't get beat on long closeouts. He breaks down well. There's a lot of little things he does well, and I think a part of that is, he actually wants to do it well. I, I don't think there are enough guys out there that really come in and say, I want to be a great defender. And and mostly guys that end up becoming great defenders, and this is probably case in point for Leaky Black, they had hoped to be a better offensive player when they came into college. But the reality is that's just not the case. So you have to make yours uh, where you can get it. And, and I think, quite frankly, that's on the defensive end for Leaky Black. He's done it. He's, he's taken pride in defense. And I think when guys just put the effort forth and have good instincts, you could be defensive player of the year. Like it's just as simple as that, but there are very few guys that really put that kind of effort forth. Linky Black's done it.
1: I've I've got two more Tar Heel specific questions I want to ask you, but there there's a general college basketball question I wanted to work in as well, and that's uh, that's NCAA tournament expansion. We saw the college football playoff, uh, you know, they're going to expand, and I think on that side of the sport, it was desperately needed. But for college basketball, I don't know if it is. I know there hasn't been a you know a definite proposal but there's talk of going from 68 to 96. You work for ESPN. you're a big part of Champ Week which is one of the best weeks, you know, to, to oh, yeah. really get you ready for the NCAA tournament. I would believe that you know and 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 expanded field would lessen the importance and excitement Around that, where do you sit as a college basketball fan on the idea of expanding the tournament from 68 teams, which sometimes feels like too many, all the way to as many as potentially 96?
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm. It's funny that because I like the way things are, I, I come across as like the get off my lawn guy, <laughs> right? Like, and I'm like, wait, wait, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't like how I actually like how it is but it's almost as if we feel we have to just constantly make progress towards something. We have no idea what it is. We just need to change things so everyone's happy. I mean, if we haven't figured this model out, that this model doesn't work, right? The model of let's just change until everyone's happy, right? we end up having transfer rules the way we have transfer rules. We have collectives paying kids to come to school there, which is completely against what we wanted NIL to be about. Like we can't help ourselves. Like I-, I would love to say, let me let me help you help yourself by getting out of your own way. Things are good right now. People like it. Mid-majors like the way things are. They have to win their conference if they make it to the NCAA tournament. It's a great experience if they make it. If not, there's something to play for every single year. As for the power five schools Win and you're in. It's really simple. If you're one of the top five or six, seven, eight, nine teams in your conference, you're an NCAA tournament team. So why do we need to expand that field? I think the way we have it is good. There's been a lot of conversation recently about expansion because now the business, and, and remember I said this, I said this last year and people kind of brushed it off, but it's starting to come to light this year is because of NIL and transfer rules being what they are, players' rights are now you know don't want to say equal to coaches and and other personnel but players have rights and now the business of basketball is being done above the table and i think we're we're struggling with that right now we're a little concerned we don't know how to function where the business is done above the table where conferences are now trying to load up right gonzaga possibly to the big 12 that's that's been a conversation you know you look at ucla and usc to the big 10 the business is done above the table And, and i think I think that's a concern for me. where we're now saying this is all about business. It's going to make more money, so we should do it. The reality is things are good, and we probably shouldn't change too much because now everything's all about business and the Almighty dollar. when it always was before, but at least it was done below the table.
1: i I, I could not agree more. let's let's transition back to the tar heel specifically. I got two more questions for you, and I get you out of here. So I mentioned that, that that Pittsburgh loss uh earlier in the interview. And and from that moment on, Carolina had to win their way into the NCAA tournament. Yeah. So they were they were the hunter. And even through the tournament, they had to beat Baylor in their backyard. They had to beat a UCLA team that everyone thought was going back to the Final Four the way that the bracket fell. Then they had to play their arch rival in the Final Four, and then a team in the national title game that has owned them in the tournament. So they were hunting all, all, all of the end of last season. Well, now they come in this year as the hunted. Preseason ranked number one, uh, either the the the, the media's pick to win the ACC. Do you have a concern about this team's mentality and and, and, where, and how they're approaching this season mentally? After how last season ended, where they were chasing, and now they're the team that's going to be chased from the moment the season tips off.
0: Yeah, I think the way they play. Um... Like if you think about how they want to play, they want to play play free flowing, right? Less thought, more instinct, more feel, more re- react, play off each other, play in space, you know, create space on the floor. Maybe take some chances, you know, risks defensively, run and jump here and there, just to keep the tempo and the pace of the game up. The way they play, they actually benefit from the way they finished the season last year, right? Now, and again, didn't win, so there's that. Uh, so that helps. So so if you didn't win, you're you're motivated, but. You like how you were playing late in the season. And the way they were playing in the NCAA tournament was some of the best basketball anyone played all year last year. It was free flowing, it was confidence, there was an edge. You had Caleb Love and RJ Davis, like I said, could go any either could go for thirty on any given night. They they were constantly trying to attack. And they did so with space because Brady Manick figured out that he, he could be a decoy and if he's open he gets the ball, he's gonna get shots. Right, uh, Armando Baycott found out how to get out of the way in the post sometimes, and that's a weird thing to say for a guy who can dominate down low. But Oscar Shebue did the same thing last year at Kentucky, and that's why he was good. He knew how to get out of the way. So, so they really complemented each other well late. I think the way they want to play, carrying that momentum is key. So, I, I don't really worry about this team. I think the expectations are high, and they're and rightfully so. Uh, I, I don't think you are going to go undefeated. This is not a team that's because of the risks they take, the, the the style of play. This is going to be an enjoyable team. But if you're a Carolina fan, just sit back and enjoy it. Be inspired by the way they play. Don't sweat a couple losses here and there because the way they lose, is still going to be fun to watch. And I know that's a weird thing to say. Nobody likes to think of their team losing and having fun doing so, but the way they play is fun. So enjoy it. It also means you may lose some games because other teams may catch fire and they let you play with them. Gonzaga does the same thing. I love the mindset. There's almost this mindset of we're going to let you play with us so you can go ahead and try and be better than us at what we do best. Like That's kind of the mentality, and I love it. I absolutely love it. So they play with a ton of confidence, play with pace. Um, Doesn't mean they're going to go undefeated, but it should be a lot of fun to watch.
1: You mentioned being fun to watch. You mentioned enjoying the season. I think for many Tar Heel fans, the only way we can enjoy it is if we get back to the Final Four and where the team standing on that platform, getting that one shining moment. I mentioned this team comes. You know, they return four starters. They add in a veteran uh, transfer in Pete Nance. They they bring in their top two guys off the bench. They're back. You add in four freshmen. This team has talent. They have depth, and the expectations are where they are supposed to be in and around Chapel Hill. We started off with a question that I've asked everybody. We'll end with one. With all that considered, is this season national title or bust for Hubert Davis and the Tar Heels?
0: Um, I think so, but it doesn't really – it's funny. It's like I want to say it doesn't really mean anything in the end. It It is because of the expectation, but it isn't because it's not like he's going to be fired if they don't. Mm -hmm. right? It's it's one of those things where it's like you just don't have as much control as you think you have. You could have the best team in college basketball, Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett and all these other guys, right? There's no guarantee. There's just no guarantee. Uh, And you could have the greatest run, but just a bad night, and you don't make it. So I think it's really more about – reestablishing dominance in the conference. I think that's important for Carolina. I think it's important for the Duke-Carolina rivalry, especially considering the old Coach K out, John Shire in. So I think Carolina needs to reestablish itself as the leader in the ACC, hands down, M- the most sexy program to watch, right, the up and down, the tempo, NBA athletes, NBA bodies, all this other stuff that, that we all think of Carolina in terms of, historically speaking, Carolina, at least my lifetime. So I think you've got to establish that first. After that, you have to have developed a game that can be that, that you can beat anybody in a variety of ways, right? We think of it as anti-fragile, where there's not just one style that you have to play to be able to win the game. So throughout the course of the season, through some of the ups and downs, Carolina's got to learn how to grind out some games. And they got to know when to really put the foot on the gas and, and go and, and score 95, 100, and maybe – Allow their opponents to score a little bit. So, so develop that feel for knowing how to force pace and maybe allow a little bit. You give up 85, 90 points, but if you get 101, that's worth it. So I think there's a lot of feel that needs to take place throughout the course of this season, and if they can figure those things out, they're not just a one-dimensional up-tempo team. So I, I, would, I would be patient with the team throughout the course of the season. The expectations are high, understandably so, uh, but there's no guarantees in this sport, man. It's crazy.
1: I mentioned, John, you, you're, you're an ESPN college basketball analyst. I know you also do some stuff on the radio side of things. Tell my audience where they can find all of your great coverage of college basketball this upcoming season, which is now just four days away.
0: Yeah, well, I, I do a lot for, for Sirius XM with ESPN U Radio and and Sirius XM, my ACC channel, Big Ten channel. Uh, really, it's just fun to kind of talk hoops for a couple hours. But I also do a show right now in uh, – it's ESPN Radio State College with my brother. My brother and I do a show called The Coach and the Commentator. We played together at Penn State. Uh, a lot of Carolina fans remember we played at Penn State when we beat Carolina in the NCAA tournament. So <laughs> um, just to mention that. Uh, but uh, we do this show together. He's a head coach now. He played 13 years professionally, and he's head coach at the Division three level. And, and he always complains to me about commentators. And I always say, like, you're okay. You're okay. But he goes some of these guys just say things i'm like i know it's what happens we don't we don't really actually think anymore we just say things i said it's the same in society right everybody just says a lot but we don't actually think so so he said i want to do a show where you and i actually have a conversation and we talk about these things and we help people think so that's what we do every tuesday and thursday it's just an hour on espn radio state college it's my brother and i just talking the way we do in the backyard um so that's been fun, and I hope we're able to continue to do it. It's kind of refreshing to have real conversation amidst all this craziness, amidst all the news I'm supposed to, to make as an analyst at ESPN. But um, it is fun just to be a part of the game, man, just to share thoughts in the game. It's a blast.
1: Well, John, I, I want to thank you for taking some time out of, out of your morning, and uh, I'm ready to to watch you on my TV and listen to you on my radio. It's going to be a fun basketball season, and uh, hopefully sometime during the season we'll check back in and have another conversation about the Heels. You got it, man. I look forward to it. All right. There you go, guys. That is John Crispin, ESPN college basketball analyst. And, look, I know that he played on that Penn State team that knocked Carolina out of the tournament, but there's there, there's there, there's not a more first-class guy that, that I'd rather bring on to, to talk about college basketball, to talk about the Tar Heels, than John Crispin. What well, would that we're going to take a very quick break. I'll get you this week's ad from DraftKings, and then when we come back, I'll shut down this edition of the Four Corners podcast. As if the McCrispy
0: couldn't get any better, Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
1: NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off this season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to DraftKings Sportsbook app now opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA, whether it's the local Charlotte Hornets or my beloved New York Knicks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code tbpn minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply see show notes for details really hope you guys are taking great advantage of all these great offers i've been giving you on the four corners side of things same for anthony over there on heeltoughblog.com head over to draftkings use those promo codes and get you some some extra money before the holiday season what well, is going to wrap up this edition of the show but we do encourage you guys to visit our website heeltoughblog Dot com where it's 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 our busy time of the year. We got Tar Heel football. They're chasing an ACC Coastal title and a berth in the ACC Championship game. They're at Virginia this week. We'll have you covered with the preview, and then on the flip side, a recap, a trench report, a stock report, and even Ashton's analysis. As Carolina has four games to go, hopefully five, as we hope to see them in Charlotte in the ACC title game. For the basketball side of things. We are now just a few days away from the basketball season. Ashton is getting you ready with the core four previews, the 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 four the core four members of the Iron Five that are back to help win a national championship. I'll be getting you ready for UNC Wilmington with previews and recaps and the likes so of Find All That Great Football and Basketball Coverage at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, you know where to find us. We're on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast, and we will pop up where you can rate and review the podcast. Most importantly, we do encourage you guys to hit that subscribe button. It's been a busy week on the pod with a court, a backcourt preview. Josh Graham stopped by, just had John Crispin. We're hoping to talk with Marcus Ginyard. Hit that subscribe button. that way, you don't miss any editions of the show during the basketball season. With that, this is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Once again, thanks to John Crispin for joining me. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, Goats are heels.
0: Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.